Good evening. Typically during Holy Week, we have a whole lot of activities. I know in Lewisburg, historically, we have had the Holy Week breakfasts. Ronsevert has uh, worked through the last couple years some Holy Week lunches, and we we typically have a, at least one, if not two, evening services as well in conjunction with Holy Week, that week between Palm Sunday and, and Easter. Growing up in the church, I was very familiar with Good Friday services, but about 28 years ago, I began to attend an associate Reformed Presbyterian church, and that church celebrated Maundy Thursday, which was something new to me, although not anything new to um, the church at large. Maundy, M-A-U-N-D-Y, Maundy Thursday. Maundy comes from the Latin word um, from which we get the word mandate or command. And it comes from a command that Jesus gives to his disciples on the night in which he was betrayed. The command is recorded for us in, in the Gospel of John, John chapter 13. John gives us the most detailed um, explanation of what happened that last night um, leading up to and including the Last Supper. And in part of this, as as the introduction to Jesus predicting the denial of Jesus, Jesus says these words, which come from John 13, verses 31 through 35. When he was gone, Judas has just left the room, but when he was gone, Jesus said, Now is the Son of Man glorified, and God is glorified in him. If God is glorified in him, God will glorify the Son in himself and will glorify him at once. My children, I will be with you only a little longer. You will look for me. And just as I told the Jews, so I tell you now, where I am going, you cannot come. A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. Let us pray. Our God, as we consider this night remembering, celebrating that time when you gathered with your disciples in the upper room, that that evening that culminated with the Last Supper, which is uh, the foundation of our Lord's Supper, and then moved to the garden as we contemplate the beginning of that evening. Lord, show us your grace and your mercy. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Before introducing his... Um, Excuse me, before introducing his new command, Jesus talks about being glorified by God. Glorified is a word that means to be given to be given weight, to be given importance. We typically use it in the context of worship. Our worship of Jesus, our worship of God should show the importance that uh, the Trinity, the, the Godhead holds in our lives. But Jesus talks about being glorified by God being lifted up, being exalted, being made worthy by God. And we see two ways in which he talks about. The first is he will be glorified by going where the disciples could not go. Now, this involves uh, what will happen later in the ascension. Um, But John does an interesting thing throughout his gospel. John has a theme that runs through his gospel, and it's the theme of exaltation, the theme of lifting up. But John's lifting up is not always 
referencing merely the ascension. John portrays Jesus lifting up as on the cross. We think oftentimes of Jesus' glorification. We think of Jesus' life in the context, to borrow words from the Westminster Catechisms, of his humiliation and his exaltation. His humiliation consists of him being born of a woman, of him being born under the law, of him being subject to that law and keeping that law, and of him suffering a death, death upon the cross, and then remaining under the power of death for a time. And then his exaltation begins with the resurrection and moves throughout the rest of his Uh, the rest of his life from there, which includes the ascension and includes his time of intercession at the right hand of God the Father. But John doesn't see a hard distinction between the events of the cross, which are part of Jesus' humiliation, and the events of his exaltation. John sees Jesus being lifted up on the cross as as much part of his exaltation, as much part of his glorification as the resurrection and the ascension. So he is glorified by being lifted up, by going where the disciples cannot go. The other way, there's the second way in which Jesus is glorified, is by the disciples loving others as Jesus loved them. Now, Jesus calls this a new commandment, a new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. What's new about that? Have we not been commanded throughout the scriptures to love one another? Yes, we have. Leviticus 19, we go all the way back to the Old Testament. Leviticus 19, 18. As part of the law, we are called to love our neighbor as ourself. And it's in that as ourself and as I have loved you that we see the newness of this command. Now, Jesus is not doing away with the Leviticus command. He calls that uh, the second part of the greatest commandment. The first part being to love the Lord your God with everything that you are, with everything that you have. And the second part being love your neighbor as yourself. But loving our neighbor as ourself now brings a new dimension. The newness of the command is that we are to love one another in the same way that Jesus has loved us. For the disciples, they had just been given an example of that um, prior to this portion of the discourse. As they gathered together around the table, Jesus did something that was shocking to them. If we go back to John 13, verse 1, we read these words. It was just before the Passover feast. Jesus knew that the time had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he now showed them the full extent of his love. The evening meal was being served and the devil had already prompted Judas Iscariot, son of Simon, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin And began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. Jesus Jesus has been the rabbi, the teacher of these men for the last three years or so. He held a place of prominence. He was the important one in the group. 
He was the leader. And yet what he did in this moment was he took off his leadership clothes and literally put on the clothes of a servant. He abased himself before the disciples. Taking on, borrowing Paul's words, taking on the form of a servant. And then he does something even more spectacular. He washes their feet. Now, we live in a world with shoes and socks, but, you know, each and every one of us has that one friend who rarely has on anything other than either sandals or flip-flops. And thankfully, we have running water. Thankfully, we are able to wash ourselves. But could you imagine what that friend's feet would be like if he didn't or she didn't? That's how it was in Jesus' time. They walked everywhere in sandals. They walked in the mud. They walked in the dust. They walked in the things that animals dropped in the mud and the dust. And their feet were filthy. Their feet were, for lack of a better word, disgusting. And yet Jesus stoops down and as a servant washes the feet of his disciples. And then Jesus says, love one another as I have loved you. This is the new command. Love one another as I have loved you. Brothers and sisters, we oftentimes struggle with this. We struggle with getting in to the dirt and darkness of one another's lives. Sometimes we are repulsed by others' sins and therefore are unwilling to confront. Sometimes we are fearful of the darkness that resides in people. Not necessarily sinful darkness, but the darkness of depression, the darkness of anxiety, the darkness of the burdens that we carry as we walk through this world. And yet Jesus commands us to love one another as he loved us. And in that, he is glorified. As we prepare for Good Friday, as we prepare for Easter, I invite you to examine your lives and repent of those places where we are not willing to serve our brothers and sisters, to repent of those places where we are not willing to deal with the dirtiness of life. And then ask God to strengthen you to love your brothers and sisters in Christ as Jesus has loved us so that he may be glorified and so that the world might know that we are his. Let us pray. Our God and Father, Forgive me. Forgive me for those places where I've been fearful to tread. Forgive me for those places where I have been unwilling to tread. Whether it's due to fear or due to a desire to not be soiled by the difficulties, the hurts, the pains, and the dirtiness of life. Help us to love one another as you loved us. We know that you loved us, as Paul says in Romans, because while we were still sinners, Jesus died for us. Help us to be willing to sacrifice our own comfort so that we might serve others and love others in a way that glorifies you.
I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.